it's so infrequent that I'm in good spirits. <laughs> is it because I'm going on vacation? No, that I'm is gonna going ruin my vacation. life. I'm going on vacation. Yeah. That's this coming weekend. Yeah. I'm not looking forward to it at all. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be the worst. Not that like we're so clingy that we need to be attached to each other all the time, but I'm so used to having life forms in the house that aren't <laughs> cats. <laughs> so do you know where I'm going on vacation? Are you asking your husband if he knows where his wife is going on vacation? Yes. It's the Jersey Shore. Speaking of which, what do you call a group of this witches is a that, setup. Li that live at a beach house together? What? Sandwiches. <laughs> I'm only going to the Jersey Shore just so I can tell that joke. To whoever? Well, to you, specifically. <laughs> so stupid. That was a setup the whole time. Fuck it you. I'm was. starting the episode. Screw this. <gasps> <laughs> so, uh, have you been watching anything fun lately or doing anything fun lately? Um, no. <laughs> cool. Well, you're getting ready for your trip. Yeah. In that you are speaking about how you need to pack for your trip. And then I don't pack. And then, um, well, I'm getting my nails done and my hair done tomorrow. <laughs> and I'm getting... My eyelashes done on Saturday. Well, it's like the bare minimum preparation for a trip I've ever heard. Looking beautiful <laughs> is part of preparation. <laughs> oh my goodness. I've been listening to a lot of Caroline Rose, who's Hip. like an indie rock person. Oh, cool. Yeah. Wait. No, I have been listening to a lot of music. Do tell. So, Ron Santi, amazing musician... Has put out an album yeah. under said name. Ron Santi. And I've listened to it probably like four or five times all the way through. Yeah, I've listened to it twice. It's really good. If you like the Eagles of Death Metal or like Kios or Queens of the Stone Age, that kind of stuff. Yeah. You'll definitely like Ron Santi. He also has a band called The Battery Electric, mm -hmm. which rocks. Um, this album is like western rockabilly it's so good yeah it was really came out of like left field like i was expecting yeah. a certain kind of sound from it based on his work with the battery electric and it was just so not that my favorite song was um heart repair service oh. listen to it a gazillion times <laughs> you happen to know ronnie don't you we went to high school with ron we did with he's ron. ron he's still ronnie in my head i'm yeah. sorry ron <laughs> you're a man now i'm sorry <laughs> Um, but my favorite song off of that, uh, the album Wildfire Heart, that's the album name, which is a badass name. So good. Is Walk Business, Talk Love. Yes. That's I such was, a like, funky song. I was like listening to that at work, like rocking out a little bit. I don't wear the mask anymore at work because like I don't interact with people as much. So like I keep accidentally lip syncing and I don't have the mask on. And it's a little embarrassing. Also, it's uh, both rewarding and exciting. And gut-wrenching to see someone that we used to know from high school uh, hanging out with Jesse Hughes. Yeah. So, good for you, Ronnie. And also, go fuck yourself. <laughs> stealing my dreams. <laughs> but he deserves it. Yeah, he totally did. He yeah. didn't steal him. I wasn't really going after him that hard. <laughs> <laughs> but we could link all of that stuff because it's amazing. Yeah, Follow it's him, really good. listen. It's awesome. Yeah, that's definitely really what I've been doing. <laughs> check out Ron Santee and the Battery Electric, his band, which are they're awesome. Check out uh, Caroline Rose for very like laid back, relaxed indie rock. And uh, I know we've talked about this on the show before, but I've also been re-listening to the Demon Gin. 
Um, yes. Yeah, with Sinead from Poisoner's Cabinet as the singer. You can find it on SoundCloud. It's not on Spotify because it's far too cool for Spotify. Totally. Check it out. Very awesome. What are we talking about in today's episode? Music. We just discussed this. <laughs> oh, man, I wish I could find like a music ghostly story. If anybody knows of a story that has something to do with the paranormal that talks about bands or music venues. We should have done that guy who sold his soul to the devil at the crossroads. We can still do that. Oh. Yeah. But Wait, is, is that what Ron did? Is that why the al- album's so good? How dare you take away all of his hard work? <laughs> That's true. I'm sorry. say he sold his soul to the devil at a crossroads. How dare you? I'm so you? sorry. But, I mean, that'd be cool, though, right? He sold his soul to the devil at a crossroads to get that silky, wavy hair. <laughs> what is your conditioning routine? I need to know. It's been like that since, like, seventh grade. Yeah. It's a ridiculous. Which obviously begs the question, how does someone in seventh grade gain access to the occult knowledge necessary (laughs) to make a deal with some kind of demonic being? You know what? I'm going to have to reach out and ask. Oh my god, that's crazy. That actually ties in really well to what we're actually talking about Oh, no, perfect segue. So we're going to be talking a little bit, this is a really broad topic, but Mm -hmm. um, we wanted to talk a little bit about the occult and the occult magician sort of idea. Yeah. I understand that this is a super broad topic. Um, when we did the Highgate Vampire episode, we talked about um, David Ferrant and Sean Manchester, who were these sort of self-proclaimed dark magic magicians. Right. Which is my favorite Yu-Gi-Oh card. <laughs> and <laughs> we were like, what What even is that? So I was like, okay, let's talk about that. What? What is that? At first, my idea was we were going to do something on just what is the occult in general. And that's like asking, like, what is math? Like, <laughs> it's a super broad subject. And much like math, I don't fucking know. <laughs> so instead of getting into this very dense topic, like we could do a whole show, not an episode, like a show just on the occult. Hardly occult? I, I don't know. Maybe. That doesn't hmm. really work. Occulty paranormal. <laughs> <gasps> oh, my God. I love that. New show. We're Spin quitting off. this one. <laughs> So we'll start with, like, briefly what the occult actually, what that word means, occult, and what we're referring to when we talk about the occult. Then we'll get into kind of what Sean Manchester and David Ferrant were dabbling in, because they definitely were messing around. Ecstasy. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Was ecstasy around in the 70s? I don't know. I don't. I think it was just those psilocybin containing mushrooms was more their speed, likely. Ah, their speed. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, it's a drug joke and a drug joke. So, what does the what do you what to you what is the occult? Magic, um, spooky stuff, um, Ouija boards. um, I gotta say, you're you're hitting a lot of it, like right on the head. Anything that they sell at Intrinsic in the Mammoth Mall in Eatontown, New Jersey. Ah, ah. Oh no. Oh. Because Intrinsic in the Mall has Buddha statues and other religious uh, imagery. Mm -hmm. And that would not fall under the category of the occult. So I'm going to give a very general definition because the occult is a, like I said, it's a really broad topic Mm -hmm. that covers a whole bunch of stuff. But in a broad sense, it's basically a category of supernatural beliefs that, um, and practices that don't they fall outside of the scope of what can be explained or experienced via religion or science right so where you have religion which is like this highly spiritual belief system about how the world works then you have science which is an evidence-based 
um, experience-based system of explaining how the world works. In between those is where the occult would fall. So this is when you're talking about things like mysticism, spirituality, and by spirituality, I mean not just the exploration of one's own spiritual self, but the way it was referred to at turn of the century where people were like doing ghost photography and sort of studying spirits. Also, uh, magic in all of the forms that it can really be described. Does stage magic fall in this? I don't think so, and I actually have a really good reason as to why it doesn't. Okay. Penn Gillette says that the difference between stage magic and occult magic is if you are doing occult magic, you are doing magic, but a stage magician performs magic. They create the illusion that they are doing real magic. You know what's wild? Um, you didn't know I was going to ask that question, and you just had a pendulette quote just at the top of your head. <laughs> Can we just, just sit on that for a sec? <laughs> well, um, so like this is kind of my area of interest. Uh, I know it's really easy to say that the occult is my area of interest, but it's not really the occult. Um, it's magic mm-hmm. and how it ties into folklore and sort of the uh, cultural anthropology of different cultures. Like... The, the identity of a culture is tied to its mythology and its folklore. Like, if you were to say that a culture is defined by its clothing and its music and its, uh, you know, art, the personality of a culture could really be determined by its mythology and its folklore. Mm-hmm. And magic and a belief in the supernatural, when not in a religious context, is built into folklore and mythology. Uh, so you can learn a lot about what a culture fears, what they value, Um, what they look down upon, what they see as the unknowable, what they see as the knowable. You can really understand a lot about the values and personality, that's probably the best way to put it, of a culture based on their folklore and the what they view as magic and ritual. Why are you stifling a laugh? (laughs) But can they see why kids love seeing those crimes? I'm sorry. Oh, that's amazing. Um... (laughs) Now, the occult, we actually don't call it that anymore in a broader sense. Yeah. Um, we So things like ESP and parapsychology, um, ghost hunting, those all fall under the umbrella term of the occult or occult studies. So we don't say it anymore. We say the paranormal. Um, paranormal would be really defined as something that is not measurable, whereas science is something that can be measured and right. identified. And that's kind of where the occult falls in is because like if I were to tell you about ghost hunting and like a haunted house that while some religious aspects may exist there that tie it to a specific religion there isn't anything in any specific religion that talks about hauntings and poltergeists and ghosts but also it's not talked about in science so it falls between those two topics into this sort of melting pot of (laughs) you know pseudoscience and pseudo-religious quasi-spiritual beliefs and practices that we call the occult um, you also, way back um, in like the 16th century, you would have heard a term called occult sciences. And this referred specifically... Oh, that's a class I want to take in college. Does that sound awesome? Yeah. <laughs> um, it refers to things like astrology, um, alchemy, and natural magic. Natural magic was something that was slightly more popular during, um, a, during the Renaissance when what we call Renaissance magic 
was really being sort of explored by humanity. Now that like the church kind of lifted their kibosh on learning and the pursuit of knowledge, you had this renaissance, not just of art and maths and sciences, but in spirituality and in understanding the occult and what was sometimes also called the natural sciences. So nowadays we don't use the term occult sciences, we say pseudoscience. Um, Which sounds so rude. Well, and I think the reason for it is because some of these, like astrology, is where astronomy came from. If you studied astronomy during the Renaissance, you probably had at least a passing knowledge of astrology. The same thing goes for alchemy. Alchemy begat chemistry, which begat uh, herbology, which begat botany. Um, and then when you look at things like natural magic, so in sort of a, <laughs> I don't know how you would call it, but basically in the world of the occult, you have natural magic and ritual magic. And ritual magic usually is something that does not necessarily deal with the natural world, but in the summoning of spirits and demons and, you know, things like that. Natural magic dealt more with, that's kind of how we would think of like the magic from the Witcher, mm -hmm. where it's like a woman in a hut grinding herbs in a mortar and pestle, like. <laughs> well, I just need to go on like this small little tangent. Go for it. Ritual Magic, do you remember the website stickdeath.com? Oh my god, yes. Oh my god. I had this very strong memory of like there's a, like a pentagram or a pentacle on the floor mm -hmm. and they're like, um, let the bodies hit the floor is playing and it's like a bunch of stick figures come up and they all get like, you know, murdered by this demon. And a lot of people I know don't know of stickdeath.com and I thought it was one of those things that I just made up in my head. I think it's because so much of your experience with the internet in the early parts of the internet was through like albino black sheep exclusively and, like albino joe black cartoon sheep. <laughs> yes oh joe cartoon frog in a blender frog yeah. in a blender yeah sorry i just needed to go on that this makes journey. no sense to anyone born after the year 2000 <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to talk to you anyway <laughs> sorry kids um <laughs> so going back but the, the the whole occult sciences thing were things that later actually became real sciences mm -hmm. I don't know, I guess you would call him an occult scientist. There was this uh, fella, Heinrich Cornelius Agrippa, who, uh, he wrote a book called Three Books of Occult Philosophy. Um, and this is a book that he wrote in 1533. So it's a belter. <laughs> it is definitely a heck of a read. But it basically was his study of occult philosophy. And as it um, pertained to the sort of uh, renaissance philosophical movement that was happening at the time and the powers of magic, the relationship that magic has with religion. And it's a pretty interesting thing. It's where we get some of the, uh, we get some of the more modern notions of the four elements as they are used in magic and in certain uh, pagan traditions, astrology, uh, Kabbalah, like uh, angels. Like he wrote about a lot of that kind of stuff. Like the show angel? Yes. Oh, cool. Um, and Touched by an Angel. Oh, cool, cool, cool. The most occult show yeah. I've ever watched. Obviously. Um, <laughs> so you kind of get an understanding that whenever you're referring to someone that is working with the occult, like Sean Manchester and <laughs> David Ferret, I don't know why, but you look like you're about to laugh, so I started laughing. <laughs> um, I just they, have that face. <laughs> they claim that they were masters of the occult. And presumably what they were, I think the definition they were going with was occult as magic yeah when they were gonna have their magic fight with a k right yeah actually funny thing about that actually, i found the poster funny thing about that oh god did you hear about the fight at the witch's cafe it was a brouhaha brew brouhaha 
<laughs> what? <laughs> oh my god. Come on. Okay, I accept that. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, so, jeez. So if you haven't listened to the Highgate Vampire episode, go ahead and listen to that. But these two guys were going to have a duel, and they put out posters. Well, I found one of the posters. No, you didn't. I did. Okay. I'm going to post it uh, on Instagram and Facebook, but it's a handwritten poster, mm-hmm. and it has a cutout that seems to feature a picture of both gentlemen. <laughs> Get yourself a good look right there. <laughs> Why does one of them look like Bruce Lee? I don't know. He's in a Bruce Lee stance, and I can't tell if he's holding nunchucks or if he's holding stakes for staking vampires. But I gotta but say, but nunchucks for oh for knucking for chucking nuns. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I gotta say, he's got some sick lapels. He looks those pretty lapels good. are sexy as fuck. And I like his medallion. Uh, but it says, a personal vendetta over the years becomes a duel to the death Ooh. between Manchester, Grand Master of the Occult, and Ferent. High Priest of Witchcraft. (laughs) Locked in murderous absurdity, Britain's most infamous magicians intend to resolve their feud to the death at Queenswood, Highgate, 18th August, 1978. Irreconcilable differences and a fatal obsession, and then I can't actually find the rest of the poster. That's amazing. Super duper crazy. This never happened, as we talked about in the last episode. Pretty much, they both were like, oh yeah, we're not actually magicians. (laughs) This is really important for you guys to know. We can't actually do magic and hurt each other. But... They could at least, like, done some bare-knuckle boxing. Like, don't be pussies, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I would have been fine with that if they were just talking about, like, well, we can't cast spells, because I'm expecting, like, a wizard's duel from Harry Potter. Yeah. They pull out wands, one summons a snake, the other one summons a mongoose, that kind of thing. Right, right, right. And what we got instead was uh, (laughs) no-shows. After... That really beautifully written poster. Like, yeah. When I post it, you guys will Who's see what we're talking camp about. camp decided that, do you think? I have to imagine that it was Sean Manchester. Yeah, because he gets like a full body shot and then the other, they show the other guy's like face. Yeah, like, he looks like a, the blue meanie. Like just kind yes! of popped on there. Um, well, or that guy from um, Pee Wee Herman's Playhouse. Jombie? Yes. Jombie the genie? Yes. Uh, so <laughs> I had to resist the urge. To, sing. To, to, to do what he yes to do what he does I'm not doing it but mecca like a high anyway no I'm not doing it oh no I was thinking of um I was thinking of the ultimate showdown of ultimate destiny oh where, where they, John B. the genie comes and and cowboy Troy yeah right <laughs> no the reason I think that it was Sean Manchester who initiated that whole nonsense yeah is he crazy um, <laughs> he's super crazy I actually spent a little bit of time wait he claims to be a high priest of a cult and witchcraft of wizardry and <laughs> yeah he's crazy i think he might be a little cray another part of my reasoning is that i found a really cool website called rationalwiki.org um, one more time rationalwiki.org okay and they have an article about him it's like wikipedia um, it's like Wikipedia, except it kind of has like sassy commentary about anything that it finds ridiculous. Okay, I love it. That's basically um, our podcast. There's a picture on it of Sean Manchester, and next to him is like a table, and there's a skull, and it says Sean Manchester left. <laughs> 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 I love that. Um, but in it, it talks about how he had this feud with David Ferrant, but he had a feud with basically everybody. Uh, most people, if they didn't agree with him or if he if he perceived someone as a, an enemy, which basically meant they disagreed with him, he would say that it was because they were under the influence of demons or 
Ferent himself or Satan, which he used Ferent and Satan interchangeably. Okay, but what if Ferent was the vampire? <laughs> he looks like a vampire. David Ferent. I'm not trying to say like he's not, it's not like he's ugly or anything, but like he's very gaunt and he's very like, he, he looks like Nosferatu. I'm sorry. <laughs> if one of them was going to be a vampire and you showed me a picture of the two gentlemen, I'm sorry. I'm going to say that it's David Ferent. He looks like a vampire. We called it out. We figured it out again. Every episode. <laughs> Solve the mystery. Um, but Sean Manchester also had a uh, blog, which I perused a lot. Blog? <laughs> Yeah, he is had he a, still alive? Um, I'm actually not sure. Well, regardless, he stopped posting to the blog in uh, November of 2015. Wow! So quite a while ago. Homeboy took crazy like professionally. Yeah, uh, yeah, he posted. He started posting in 2009, and posted somewhat regularly. Uh, he had some lighter years here and there. How old was he during all this dual mess? I'm not sure of their precise age, but I know David Ferrant, he passed in 2019. Right. So I think Sean Manchester is still alive, which is probably why he stopped blogging, actually. Because uh, a vampire died. Well, no, I think it's because, like, it just, the it was getting old. Like, the feud was, you know, he only had seven followers on his blog, like. <laughs> oh, do you think um, he's like that guy in the trench coat in Grandma's house? Is that the oh name of my that god movie? yeah grandma's boy yeah, yeah grandma's house <laughs> grandma's house <laughs> i was close oh my god yeah like that kind of yeah yeah i imagine they're both like that but to answer your question i think they were at least in their early 20s right during this time especially when you look at pictures of them from that time that kind of looks how old they Can you imagine be. if there were 40 year olds doing this <laughs> i don't know why it's more ridiculous like it's just it's just crazy so <laughs> getting back to the topic one of the things that in the 70s, um, especially like 1978, which is when the duel is supposed to take place, this was when we were starting to see the very beginnings of the satanic panic, which yeah. gained a lot of steam in the 80s. So it wasn't really unusual for anyone that was involved in any kind of occult studies or spiritualism to at some point start talking about Satan, because Satan was so hot in the 80s. Although, I'd like to just hypothesize about this for a minute okay um this all started happening around the same time as disco duck um coincidence <laughs> i think not disco duck started the satanic panic because disco duck is a demon because there's something inherently demonic about a talking <laughs> duck that <laughs> likes disco ducks notoriously do not like disco yeah and he is a disco duck God. disco disco duck with that happening, when these guys say that they were occult magicians or black magic magicians, my first thought is, what do they mean by that? <laughs> so this was where this subject got really dense for me, because I thought maybe we could talk about what black magic is, and that is way too complex of a topic for a single episode. Yeah. Pretty much, black magic as it pertains to the kind of thing that these guys were doing doesn't really exist. Um, the term magician in the way that they are using it is probably a little bit more like magician means something very specific nowadays, but at the time it was interchangeable with sorcerer or a conjurer, someone who was basically eliciting spirits for favors in one way or another, or conjuring things up like demons, spirits, etc. Man, I'm sorry, but fuck those guys. You're going to summon people from beyond the grave to do favors for you? Yeah, well, that's necromancy. <laughs> it's not cool. That's just 
rude is what it is. <laughs> but um, Sean Manchester said that he didn't use his magic in this way, that he used it to exercise ghosts and demons, and he claimed that he could exercise the vampire as well. Uh, he also made a claim that I was not aware of when we were originally doing research for the Highgate Vampire episode. He claimed that he was a seasoned vampire hunter at that time. And that Carlic he... salt. What? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, and that he had tracked a vampire to the cemetery into a crypt where it transformed into a giant spider. Nice. That he then killed by driving a stake through its heart. At which point it transformed not into a spider but back into a man, and he immediately doused it in gasoline and set it on fire. This jives with, if you remember from the Highgate Vampire story, about the corpse they found that was burned. Did he just try to murder someone? That's what I would like to know. Because he is kind of a crazy dude. He claims that he was a bishop of what he refers to as the Old Catholic Church, but there is no record of this anywhere. He's just a murderer. Yeah, he's a pretty crazy guy. Um, and honestly... <laughs> If you're the kind of person that's claiming that you perform magic of any kind, and you're like, no, I exercise, blah, blah, blah. I don't understand how that jives with murdering anything. Yeah. Why don't you just perform an exorcism? Does he say exorcism? But what he means is stab. <laughs> <laughs> I exercise spirits. I actually, I stab them. <laughs> There's a lot of exorcists in jail right now. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I just tell kids like, well, stop playing with your food and exercise it with the fork. <laughs> Put it in your face. Perfect. Going back to this whole black magic thing, that is a really, like I said, it's a complex subject. And there's a lot, black magic means a lot of things to different cultures. In India, it has a totally different meaning than it would have here in America. And when you're talking about modern day magical practitioners, um, and I mean people that magic is a part of their religion. So we're talking, you know, earth-based religions like paganism and Wicca. They don't have like black magic and white magic. I have heard people who practice this stuff claim that they do, but there's really nothing in any of like the the, the texts that are written about it to indicate that this is true. Um, the closest cat. <laughs> the closest cat. The closest cat banging into my mic. The closest that we have to this sort of thing is a lot of pagan traditions have a concept of the left hand and right handed path. Specifically referring to the left handed path as something that is uh, where you'd be performing rituals of a type of magic that is baneful, that is designed to harm someone. And the left-handed path, or the right-handed path, you know, not doing that. Not saying that one is black or white or good or evil, just that one would participate in parts of the universe that are generally less pleasant, like death and decay and things like that. Yeah. Um, I'm also, for anybody out there that has any experience with these kinds of things, I am speaking like super high overview like i'm speaking in the most general terms possible disclaimer jerry has no idea what the fuck he's talking about he just read a couple of articles thank Whoa, you so rude <laughs> a couple of articles hundreds of times um mm -hmm. so it's, this is just a because the thing is that people get obviously like right now we're talking about for some people this is their religion this is yeah. a part of their belief system and i don't want to misrepresent any of these belief systems so people that may be listening that do participate in these things I'm talking in extremely general, broad strokey terms. Um, and people who don't practice these things also understand that. Yeah. <laughs> this is not, um, it's not like there is evil magic or anything like that. Um, so what these guys are talking about, where they're doing their black magic magicians, is kind of a nonsense term, especially when you look at sort of where they come from culturally and where they're ideas are coming from. This sort of, especially like in England in the 70s, the 
information regarding the occult that was available to them is kind of a black magic magician is sort of a nonsense term. Yeah. Specifically when you look at Disco what, they, Disco <laughs> what they claimed that they were doing, where they were, you know, thwarting vampires and banishing evil spirits. Like, that's not black magic. Even in its most general definition, like, that's just not black magic. So, as if you didn't already know, it's nonsense what they were doing. <laughs> Uh, and also, I think it's important to point out that we're not looking to debunk anything in this episode. Yeah. Uh, other than Sean Manchester and David Farron. Like, we're just sort of talking about this as a topic because we mentioned it in the last episode. And you had brought up, you're like, what does that even mean? A black magic? And I was like, you know, we should actually just discuss that. Yeah. Like, I do have one question. <laughs> Yo, you do this like Pam from the office <laughs> looking up at the ceiling when you're about to tell a joke. <laughs> if two witches buy two watches, which witch would watch which watch? I hate that. <laughs> which which would watch which watch? That's not even a joke. That's just a funny turn of phrase. Well, I can't make them all up, Jeremiah. <laughs> so, like a lot of people from our generation that uh, grew up with, like Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Charm, practical magic, <laughs> practical magic. I know that, um, like before, I uh, sort of reached this place where I was like, "Oh crap, it's all bullshit." Damn, like. I was very interested in the occult and in magic as a, a ritual. Yeah. I know you were too. Like every teenage girl in the early 2000s, I owned Teen Witch, which had um, many spells, how to call the corners, how to turn invisible. There's an invisibility spell. And the only way it would work, and you'll find this very familiar, is you're invisible until someone looks at you. That book fucking mystery mend me. <laughs> like I was gonna say, like from mystery men. Uh, it turns um, out all you have to do is try to get a boy's attention, and you're immediately invisible. Aw, I wish. Like, who's that big fat redheaded kid? <laughs> <laughs> kid, you're not sure of your gender. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. I did get called sir today. Um. By but, one of your coworkers. Yeah. Who works with you every day. Yeah. Ugh. Whatever, it's You're fine. a big boy, you can handle it. <laughs> <laughs> I do own two tarot... I do own two tarot decks, though. Yeah. I have a beautiful Wild Unknown one. And then the OG. Um, yeah. Just a regular tarot weight. But it's old, too. And it's, it's really... You've taken extremely good care of it. I got it when I was 12, so it's not that old. It's almost ancient like you would expect to be in a museum i swear to god i would have quit <laughs> yeah, the show I'm... or our marriage <laughs> yes <laughs> um it's weird because like i don't believe but like it's really fun and like yeah. sometimes sometimes it's very spot on to some things like it's same way i feel about astrology yeah like i'm such a scorpio um, <laughs> like daily horoscopes, I don't really buy because they're very vague, but there's some similarities. Like, like the personality traits. Yeah. Like yeah. you're a Gemini man and all of Instagram has told me you guys are the worst <laughs> and it's true. No, it's, it's true. It is true. <laughs> but, uh, we're both working against you. <laughs> I, I do dabble in some of the spookies that I am very open to. I wouldn't say that I'm a believer or a disbeliever, yeah. but I am open to spookies. I think that that's especially easy to get into with divination techniques, because mm -hmm. tarot is obviously one of those sort of things. And divination is a branch of, I'm going to call it folk magic, 
where it's magic that is sort of developed by people in small pockets rather than like the more broader mainstream stuff like Teen Witch, you know, that you yeah. would find. The stuff that you work out on your own. Because I know people that would use pendulums mm -hmm. to help them make decisions. Um, flipping a coin. Flipping a coin is divination. Oh, shit. Like, you're letting a, the universe decide, essentially, but it could be whatever higher power you, you know, subscribe to. Yeah. And tarot is the same thing. Now, do not come for us, internet. I know that some people pronounce it tarot, but I am not those people, okay? You know what I am conflicted with? Is it called tarot or a tarot deck? I would, gonna, I would say that it's the, like, tarot, like the royal description of the, the technique, you know? Yeah. I think the tarot deck is the cards itself, but I think right. the activity is like tarot. Because yeah. you would say I'm getting a tarot card reading. You wouldn't say I'm getting a tarot deck reading. That's true. Because they're tarot cards that you're looking at, but you're, I think you're, I could be wrong. I could be totally <laughs> wrong, but that is what I assume. Um, but Becky, I, can you let me know you have the same tarot deck as me? Can Are, are we saying it wrong? <laughs> <laughs> Help us. But uh, it's divination is one of these things that like you don't t even people who are like heavy practitioners of folk magic and are you know really invested in sort of um like modern uh, neo pagan witchcraft yeah they don't use the tarot deck or the pendulum and go oh that's what I have to do like they're not making major medical decisions or major financial decisions they're using it as like. I'm not sure which one to do. It's flipping a coin, you know. Can you yeah. give me a little nudge in one direction or another? I think it has a lot of value as something like that. Mm -hmm. If you bring, if you gain comfort, you know, from that kind of thing, mm -hmm. I think that's totally valid. Uh, so I'm, I, I'm not saying I believe in tarot, but we've done tarot deck readings, and some it, crazy shit has come up. <laughs> it's really interesting that um, a lot of people have tarot decks that I wouldn't imagine. I think it's just like. I think it's also kind of like a therapeutic kind of thing. Uh -huh. um, Dr. N has one. Yep. And my friend Christian has one. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's interesting, you know? They we occupy... a little... I think we all kind of want to express that part mm -hmm. of like the, the unknown and kind of being... Well, divination, I think, enables the user to feel as though they've gained a small amount of control or insight into an otherwise unforeseeable or uncontrollable situation. Yeah. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I said that very straight. I don't <laughs> think there's anything wrong with it. I don't think. Um, I think that's perfectly valid. I kind of view them in the same way as mood rings, mm -hmm. where like you're not gaining any new information. It's just confirming something you already sort of have in your head. Yeah. And I, yeah, I'm all for that. I think that's perfectly fine. I like the idea of exploring occult things non-religion-y like i'd love to do more well, occult by its definition is not religion based yeah yeah i like to do more activities involving that i yeah. think that'd be fun that was one of our first ideas for the show yeah is we were going to get a ouija board uh or a uh what do they call it like a spirit writing board or something like that a yeah. spirit board spirit board uh because ouija it turns out is a trademark name oh it was are you ready for this i'm so ready um, Ouija is a name that was originally created and owned by Parker Brothers. Yeah. And then later Mattel. And now Hasbro. Trixie Mattel. <gasps> I want a Trixie Mattel Ouija board. <laughs> Someone tweet Trixie Mattel and ask about this. I want the no to say, ew, no. <laughs> <gasps> oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. 
We have to get this done. In all vibrant Trixie Mattel colors. I am going to add Trixie Mattel on Instagram right when we're done with this to see if we get it done. Perfect. Awesome. But that was actually one of our original ideas. We were yeah. going to get a Ouija board and we were going to show nothing happening. And because um, I know the idiomotor effect is sort of at play with that most of the time. Yeah. But I'm wondering if it's two people who don't believe what's going to happen. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm all about that kind of stuff. Uh because I think it's really, really interesting. And I feel like when you explore um, the occult, specifically when you're talking about folk magic, that you're exploring a piece of some, the fabric of a culture that is not found in a history book. That's yeah. not found in their music necessarily, not found in their, their clothing or their government. It's like, it's folk. It's the piece of people that is really hard to quantify. It's people. <laughs> Well, and it's just like folklore. Folklore is is really people are telling you about their relationship with the land and their relationship with the history of a place. And I think folk magic is the same thing. Mm -hmm. They're telling you about their relationship with the now, with their own lives in a way, like I said, that's really hard to quantify. Yeah. Live in the now. <laughs> uh, and I think that also falls under the same category. Or I think things that fall into that category are like doing Bloody Mary in the mirror. Oh, um, that used to... Fuck me up. But, I remember the first time I heard about it, I was in second grade. And oh I was my goodness. I was terrified about Bloody Mary until I was like 25. <laughs> like, it plagued me as a child. That's amazing. Yeah. But if you think about it, it has all the components of an occult ritual. You have to have the lights turned off. You can light a candle. Some In some tellings they do, some tellings they don't. You have to have a mirror. And you have to have, you have an incantation. So it has all the components of ritual magic uh, that that um, Sean Manchester and David Ferrant claim that they were doing. So, and the whole purpose of it is to summon a spirit. So you were doing the sort of magic that they were talking about. Um, obviously, nothing happens because no one's been killed by Bloody Mary that we know of. I have a fun story. Hit me. I told my grandma about Bloody Mary, and so one day she called me. I was probably fifth or sixth grade. So talk about Bloody Mary. One day she calls me, says, Lace, um, me and Pops are going to try that thing that you told me about. So she says the, you know, Bloody Mary thing. Oh, my God. And then she makes a sound, screams, hangs up the phone. <laughs> this woman, my grandmother, made me believe that her husband got killed by Bloody Mary. She didn't correct me for like a couple days. She just hung up. That's rad. Right? What a party. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Yeah. This That's is my grandma with like the knuckle duster tattoo, so obviously. Yeah. <laughs> That's gonna be me. <laughs> but I think a lot of, especially our generation, a lot of teenagers were, it seems to be mostly something that you saw with teenage girls, because I don't really recall any teenage boys being involved, where they were casting circles and calling the corners. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of us learned a lot from the craft that and practical magic. My friends and I rented practical magic. We walked up the hill two miles to go to Suncoast Video to rent Practical Magic every single weekend. And we did those spells that they did every day. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's really interesting that like we all find it at a certain part of life. Yeah. And I think it addresses, you know, I mean, and that's a time of your life when you're not really feeling in control of a lot of things. You're nervous about the future and this gives you the feeling of having some level of control and I think that that's great. I think yeah. that's a perfect thing for it. That's why, like, when our kids get to that age, like, that's going to happen. 
Yep. And I'll buy them whatever they need. Like I don't. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. You know, uh, stifle it in any way. Yeah. Maybe then I'll pass down my tarot deck, my tarot card deck of weight. Why? Mm-hmm. I have this distinct feeling that Lily is gonna make her own tarot deck one day. Definitely. If you sure. get that too. <laughs> If she makes one, we'll like get some copies. <laughs> if, we, if she makes one, I'm like, I'm gonna produce it. Like, I'm gonna get it printed. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll put them on the market. People yeah. can buy these hand-drawn tarot cards. So yeah, I mean, this episode was a little bit different than a lot of ones we've done, where we're like, we weren't really trying to debunk anything. We just kind of wanted to talk about something. Yeah. Um, and it's sort of Sometimes the direction. We like to have a chat. Just having a chat. Just having a chat. Chatty man, a chatty lady, with my very cold tea that keeps making me coffee. And uh, <laughs> making me cough, not it, the tea isn't making me a cup of coffee. I mean, that'd be rad, though. If we lived in Beauty and the Beast castle, yeah. <laughs> tea, you're terrible. Go make some coffee. <laughs> a poor, dejected pot of tea having to go oh, produce no! a totally different drink because it was insufficient. I feel so bad about this fictional thing that we just made up. <laughs> <laughs> this concept that's been created in the last few seconds. Uh, but yeah, we we just wanted to kind of talk about in this sort of a direction we're trying to go in with the show where we just sort of talk about some stuff we want to talk about. Let's talk about some shit. Because I honestly don't believe that there is any actual physical evidence that shows that folk magic or even the kind of the occult magic or anything really occult related has a solid real world effect on the universe. Yeah. That doesn't mean that it doesn't have a real actual effect on the practitioners of course and i think that it serves the same purpose as pretty much anything else that you do to sort of stabilize yourself psychologically (laughs) i think it has the same effect as flipping a coin i think it has the same effect as reassuring yourself like you know giving yourself a pep talk before something but i would not recommend chasing someone to a crypt and setting them on fire yeah, even if they turn into a spider, because yeah. that could just be a defense mechanism. You, yeah. don't, you don't know what they're up to. Um, or, and this is uh, definitely me coming out of left field, uh, <laughs> if you do stake a spider that is gigantic with the stake through the heart and it dies and reverts back to its human form, maybe hang around so people can validate your story. Yeah. Because otherwise, it's going to look like you set someone on fire. <laughs> yeah. Um, Harley Paranormal is not responsible for any staking of spiders or people or vampires. Um, yeah, don't stake spiders. Spiders are great, even if yeah. they're gigantic. Spiders I catch do them all the time it. at work. I have a little apparatus that I put them in and then yeah. I walk them outside. It's great. Yeah, we have uh, two that live in each of our bathrooms. and One's name is Ichabod. Yep. The other one is Delilah. And they are delightful. They, yeah. they keep the bugs out of there. I saved a red pill bug spider today. Aw. He was terrifying, but he was cool looking. That's neat. That's yeah. good of you. Yeah, I don't think we actually kill any bugs in the house. No, um, I certainly don't stake any. You don't what? Stake any. Oh, I thought you said snake them. I was I like, what does that mean? I don't even know what that means. So, <laughs> you can catch us on Instagram at Harley Paranormal, where I'm the most active. It's also sort of our primary place for posting right now. Yeah. Or on Facebook, where I do some stuff at Harley Paranormal. We have a group, and then we have just a page. Also, uh, go ahead and check out the page because we still have up, I think it's like 130 plus pictures of the Highgate Cemetery. Yes. Courtesy of Matt and Freya. And also a wonderful drawing by Jason. Yes. Also check out the the vampire, the aquatic vampire mm-hmm. sent to us by Jason, um, which was awesome. Thank you so much for that. That Amazing. made my month. Please send us your drawings of really anything you like, presumably uh, something that you're interested in that you think we would like, and that isn't a penis. Vampire Disco Duck. 
Vampire Disco Duck. Perfect. That is this Or Black week's... Magic Disco Duck, my other favorite Yu-Gi-Oh card. <laughs> yes. Also, remember to check out Ron Santi on Spotify or wherever he is. And check out Caroline Rose on Spotify and YouTube. And get on SoundCloud and check out The Demon Jin. Yes. Uh, and listen to the absolutely spellbinding tones of Sinead of the Poisoner's Cabinet. Listen to her not like lose her breath while she's doing an entire line where I just I don't even smoke and I can't hold my breath that long. It's like in movies when people have to go underwater and you yeah. hold your breath to see if you could do it. I will also hold my breath sometimes when people are singing and it turns out there's no way. Yeah. I would die halfway through the song. She also sold her soul to the devil. <laughs> and you can send any of those fun things that you decide to draw or not or whatever to our email at um, hardlyparanormal at gmail.com. Yeah. And we are also on Twitter at HarleyParanormy with a Y. Uh, you can get at us there as well. Now, Facebook is being still very titchy about telling me when people send us messages on Facebook. So if you send us a message on Facebook and you don't hear back within like a day, hit us up on Instagram or on Twitter. Yes. I've been Jerry. I've been Lacey. And remember, it's probably just the wind. Disco, disco, da. If that gets stuck in my head, you're absolutely divorced. Try your luck.